Hello, I'm Ethan Funky, and I am back from an unfortunate illness, and I was unable to be here at the last podcast, but I'm back. And Yay. Welcome back. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you. Thank you, Isaac. Very so, cool. Welcome to the Sandy Power of One podcast number four. This is over chapters... Uh, I need to... 16 through... 16 through 20. Yep. Uh, and I'll open up the discussion... Here with Isaac, Ethan, Sean, and myself. And my first question is about the reading. Which side of PK do you favor, the physical side or the mental side? Because throughout the story, he's shown to be a great boxer, but he's also shown to be really intelligent. So which side do you favor and would ultimately like him to uh, go further in? Do you want him to become a boxer or pursue Hmm. something with his... Uh, intelligent. Mm. I'm kind of torn because in the sense I think he himself would find more value in pursuing his boxing career because I think that's where he's really found his passion but in a different sense I typically value intelligence above physical ability like in general for the most part in like um, just with myself even kind of but not like I'd see it's different for every person. So for PK, I would say go with the boxing because that seems to be his true passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and this is a really tough one for me because I don't really think you can have one without the other. Like First PK, with the heart, I mean, first with the head, then with the heart. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But think about who told him that, Hoppy told him that. And mm-hmm. like Hoppy is the one that really instilled the whole physical, what? Oh, yeah, okay. When you think about who said that, uh, Hoppy, he's like the one that instilled the physical like drive in him. So I think it would be more entertaining if he went on to do his boxing career, just like from a reading the book standpoint. Yeah. Um, because it's not very fun to read about somebody who like graduates with their masters, yada, yada, yada. Um, so personally, I hope he goes after his boxing career. I want him to go after his uh, boxing career, but I do feel like he is going to... Um, go get a master's degree in something to, um, as, as well as become a great boxer. Um, yeah. Maybe something in, like, social sciences, because he's seen that he can kind of be a common ground for so many different groups of How people. big was social sciences back in the I don't know. 30. Probably non-existent. Okay. 39 and 40. There's a lot more opportunity to, like, yeah. take those I kinds mean, of classes. Especially... Today. In South Africa, back at that time. Yeah. All right. Education is scarce. I think if he does do something, he might. Uh, I think he might do something with the plants that he's been learning about. Just. Hmm. Well, or I just don't a think professor. he's ever really gotten too much into that. I think he more did that with, because Doc was a part of it, not necessarily yeah. because he himself had any specific. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to say bond to the plants, because like that sounds kind of weird. But I think that even though he was like really smart, I don't really think he cares that about like about like he doesn't put that much value on being smart. Like obviously it's a nice add-on and it really helps him a lot with like Maury and everything. But like because he always chooses well, boxing. Well, I would kind of disagree. Yeah. Oh, I would. I would disagree that he doesn't regard intelligence well because one of the things that. 
I did, I mean, I put as Diction Detective was um, on pages 357 to 358. Winning was something that you worked at intellectually. Emotion clouds the mind and is its, is its natural enemy. Oh, okay, let me clarify. When I say intelligence, I mean, like, grades and schoolwork. And, like, obviously, like, he can value his mental, like, power, if that makes sense, like, his will and his drive to do things. But I don't think, like, he values book smarts. Mm, I can agree. So kind of like what the... Yeah, sorry, I should have clarified. Kind of what the headmaster is trying to promote a little bit? Yeah. A little bit, yeah, I'd say so. Because I think he chooses That's probably Doc one of the reasons he got chosen. Doc and before... His teachers. As and Miss Bornstein. Yeah, Mrs. Bornstein. Miss Bornstein. Well, Miss Bornstein says. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my second question is: We are introduced to a character called Maury, and mm-hmm. he talks mostly about business and how he plays into the stereotype as a classic Jewish person. Mm-hmm. And I was my question is: What do you think of his business ethics, and do you think he plays into this stereotype like he says he does? Yeah, hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um. Uh, from like what uh what he's been talking about like Jews are supposed to be stereotypes being good at really making money and like you know being like shifty business people. I'm not gonna say he's shifty, but like come on, look at what he's doing. He's like I don't know how old they are at this point, like 14, 15, 13, somewhere in that area. And already he's like he's not cheating people out of their money, but he's just he's kind of running a black market. He's playing the odds. Exactly. Um, but also, I think there's kind of a positive. T- like, I kind of think of him as someone kind of like almost like a junior Sherlock Holmes, but in business. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. being able to anticipate people, other people's thought processes, yeah. processes, and using that to his own advantage. That's not bad or anything. That's just that's just him being a good businessman. Well, okay, that's not bad, but that's why the you know the stereotype of Jew of Jews, that's what they do. Like, that's, like, okay, I think, from what I've gathered from him reading, the stereotype is that Jews are really good at making money. Now, you can, like, say that's a good thing. They can be really rich. Mm -hmm. But then, like, the stereotype is painted in a negative light, if that makes sense. So, yes, he is a mini Sherlock Holmes, Mm -hmm. but for him to be that and also be a Jew Mm -hmm. is bad for him in situation. Because, like, because what I would kind of almost paint, I would want to paint that in a positive light. Yes. It's like, it's like one of the, um, uh, Mm -hmm. Boers. Boers. Boers, Boers. Um, like being really good at being really athletic. It's like, you could just say, oh, there's just another athletic Boer again. And that's a good mm-hmm. thing, but the way you say it makes it sound mm. bad. Well, like also, one, I, well, another one of my diction detective things was about Maury's personality. Because I'm kind of curious what you think of his personality as well. Because on 336 it says, That was the nice part about Maury. He never bragged, but he was absolutely certain of his superiority. Because I I chose this part because it's almost like an oxymoron a little bit. Because it's like, he was really, he was arrogant, but he didn't brag about it or show it, which almost seems like an oxymoron. And... It kind of, I think it almost, the author almost wants you to almost to kind of decide for yourself whether you like Maury or not. I like him because, I mean, the whole stereotype is that they're greedy, but he's obviously shown that he values friendship before Mm -hmm. greed. Because he always puts uh, PK first, or not Mm -hmm. always, but like 
most of the time he puts PK first. Well, like situations. he was willing to give him the money yeah, for. Yeah, to like pay for his boxing lessons. For, yeah. What's the guy's name? Sonny. Yeah, Sonny. I, I think. Uh, I need to see. Sully. Or as we look, Isaac, well, what do you think? The championship boxer. Mm. Oh, I had a bridge building thing over this actually. Alright. And um uh I was wondering like uh, I found an article on why people um don't accept charity or why some people don't like to accept charity and um yeah, it was just this guy's mother uh didn't ever want to accept charity because she said they want to take my pride away. Um and I kind of feel like that's where PK is because he's like, I don't want to lose my independence or my freedom. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why he's not accepting it. And like, money really hasn't ever been an issue for him before. So, I think once he's like feeling like, oh, I've got this down, I can make my own money. He really doesn't want to give up that capability or like mm-hmm. surrender it because mm-hmm. then like he'll be back to. Solly Goldman is his name. Oh, okay. Solly mm-hmm. Goldman. Okay, yeah. It's a boxer thing. Anyway. Right. Um. What's your next question, Nick? Um, my next question is, uh, you can turn to page 360, if you'd like. And he says at that line, At 14, I couldn't see things as clear as this, but instinctively understood that the power is begooling, and a person does not lightly give it up. What? Oh, oh so I'm sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted. I was a child of Africa. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> Are you good? Oh, yeah, okay. Doc had taught me the value of being an old man out, the man who had who senses that there is an essential collective sanity to humans who assumes the role of, a, of the loner, the thinker, and the searching spirit who calls the privileged and the powerful to task. The power of one was based on the courage to remain separate, to think through the truth, and not to be begooled by conventions or plausible arguments of those who expect to maintain power. Do you agree with this line? Because we're always getting the throughout the book, we're getting this sense of what the power of one is, mm-hmm. and this is like another and piece of what like he's adding on. Almost different definitions. And he's trying to add like this yeah. whole getting this whole puzzle together. And do you agree this should be a part of that whole definition that he's trying to come together? I mean, I would say so because I, it's kind of like it's very much talking about I from what I I. I'm interpreting it as kind of don't be a, a sheeple. Mm-hmm. Stand alone. Like and um don't just basically question basically question everything that you're told. Mm-hmm. Um not in like a rude way, but in the sense that you can gain reasoning skills and yeah. kind of form your own opinion based on your own reasoning. Yeah, so I would definitely add that onto his definition because if you can't do that, then you're subject to people who are a higher authority of you. You can dictate rules to you for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, and if you can't back up, like, well, why is this being done to me? Then and then you're no, you're, you're no longer one. You're that person. No, you're just part of the collective. And mm-hmm. like, if you're like able to understand the framework of like any system of rules, you can manipulate it to serve yourself and to protect yourself against those who would abuse it. Hmm. That sounds awfully similar, like something that Maury said, but I can't remember oh, where it was. Like he was saying, well, I it just now. or he was saying, kind of, you 
don't go against the system. You make the system work for you. Yeah, exactly. That would, that's something that's that, some, something along the lines of what Maury said. Definitely. All right, you want to shoot us with your next question? Um, <clears throat> so, what do you think of Mango or the t Mango the teacher's reactions to the kids um, disagreeing with him? Do you think it's over the top or justified? Um, I think it's over the. I think I would actually say both because mm -hmm. first off, they're like. In that part of the book, I think they were like maybe towards the younger end of the spectrum, like 13 maybe. And here's this teacher, supposed to be really old and wise, really in charge of the class. And like as opposed to now, when teachers have a bit more leeway with their students to discuss things, back then it was like, if I tell you a fact, it's true. Mm -hmm. So for them to like challenge his authority, he probably wasn't ready for that. And he probably tried to like, you know, quell them pretty fast, quickly. And when he couldn't, he just kind of lost control of class. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, he didn't even hasn't even met this woman that they're all quoting. I don't. I don't think he has anyway. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just feels like he's losing authority over the class. I do think they could have done it better, but I kind of I do think it was unjustified his reaction because mm -hmm. I think there should be a good amount of questioning. Mm -hmm. May, like I said, maybe they they probably should have done it with a bit more tact. But um, I certainly think, huh? How how do you mean with more tact? How would they have instead of just butting in and saying, "Well, Miss Born Miss Bornstein says," you could have said, "Well, like, raised your hand and then said, well, I'd like, I'd like to point out that I think there there are other opinions well, out there." Yeah, but and such. I, mean, I don't feel like that's their style. That's though. kind of their intent, though, was mm -hmm. to disrupt his class. So, like, if they were trying to disagree purely for the sake of factual knowledge, then yes, I'd say so. But, like, they're trying to use Ms. Bornstein as an I, I I see. I see. They were just trying to create a ruckus. Like, they did it in the way they did it mm -hmm. specifically to disrupt him and throw him off course. Yeah, I, like, what I was just meaning was I think it would have been all right if they did it more politely mm -hmm. and not just to cause... A disturbance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been less fun to read like that, though. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my next question comes from when uh, Doc and PK go into the Crystal Cave, and PK's experienced a lot of death. And when mm -hmm. Doc starts talking about himself dying and mm -hmm. how he wants to essentially be buried, he calls PK calls death a brutal accident because it seems like all these. Things that have happened to him that people have died have seemed to be accidents or planned. Mm. Well, not all of them. Is it an accident not planned? Yeah. yeah. And he calls Actually, death a brutal accident. And I was wondering, do you guys think this is a false perception of what death is? Or do you think... I mean, what else do you think? Well, like okay. it, for a Giel Piet... I mean, Giel Piet's... That was not an accident. Yeah, that, yeah, Actually, that wasn't an I think accident. what might help us here is if we just recount all the deaths we've had so far. So I think, uh, starting from the beginning... It was the chi it's been the chicken... Grandpa Chuck. Yeah. Big Hetty. Mm-hmm. Gio Piet. And then almost Doc. Uh, you, Doc almost dies. You could probably say his nanny, too, since yeah. she was just oh, taken yeah, away. Since she was taken away. She's not dead, but she's effectively out of the picture. Mm -hmm. So... All right, I'm, uh, so let's answer this question, and then we're going to move on to the artwork. So, um, starting with the chicken, that's definitely not an accident. That was very intentional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, Big Hetty, 
I don't really know if you would call that an accident. That's kind of her own fault. Mm -hmm. So maybe not an accident, but just a misfortunate circumstance. Mm -hmm. But I also think maybe she was kind of eating her problems. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Gyoke, also definitely not an accident. Um, unless you count racism as an accident, which maybe it is. So I think the consensus we're coming to here is kind of that his... Perce- he is getting a false perception of what I think is. so. Mm. It's really easy for him to say that, though, because, like, it might seem like all these deaths are randomly coming out of nowhere to some small child mm-hmm. who's just only, like, 15 years old. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the artwork for a minute. All right, so here's my piece. I chose to draw, draw like, the... Um, uh... So, like, I think we're just supposed oh, okay. to... Never mind. Look at it first. So let it, I mean, let it know, I mean, mean, let the record show that, (laughs) let the record show that Sean's uh, drawing happens to be of the cliffs and the cave entrance where Mm -hmm. PK and Doc climbed. I mean, this is, this is a crucial scene Mm -hmm. because, I mean, PK has never explored that Doc is eventually going to die until... Mm -hmm this right here this entire scene mm-hmm. so it's it's huge because he's already experienced death a lot and like loss mm-hmm. in general i mean he's not ready to come to terms with this yet especially when uh doc gets pneumonia that's right pneumonia pneumonia <clears throat> excuse me and almost dies again i mean it's it's a crude it's a critical scene i think oh side note by the way i didn't know this when i was drawing this but like apparently doc is really old right now they said 87. Like, like 80 oh, wow. 87. Like, I thought he was, was like, going to be I turning. I thought he was, like, in his 30s. When they started with him? Yeah. Oh, no. They said how he was old. But um, it's kind of, I mean, one thing, one of the, the third thing that I had for Diction Detective was something that I just wanted to say, this part kind of made me sad. And then they, um, and they're talking, well, first of all, they're talking about how if they ever found, like, scientists or something ever found the cave later. And then they'd propound all sorts of theories that would have nothing to do with the six-foot-seven German professor of music and the future welterweight boxing champion of the world. And that whole paragraph just kind of made me sad because it's kind of like, um, no one will ever know the friendship that they had really it'll all be forgotten as time but that's that's like the argument of legacy i mean inevitably you're eventually going to be forgotten Mm -hmm. it's like unless you that's why you're remembered for your actions Mm -hmm. rather than but then there also is like a positive that i think the author was also kind of trying to convey because it'll be forgotten almost it's very special because only pk and doc they specifically will ever their cave yeah no one so it doesn't really matter to them or it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who else knows they know mm-hmm. that this is their cave mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, yeah i made a connection to the um bridge building connection to this uh to another piece of literature it's a poem called death is nothing at all and i thought it kind of um spoke to how doc feels about death um i could read a few lines real quick if you want me to please okay uh, death is nothing at all. It does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has, happen- has happened. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. 
Let my name ever be the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort, without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Ah, all is well, nothing is hurt, nothing is lost. One brief moment and we'll all be as it was before. How shall we laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again? So those were just a few lines from the poem. And I feel like that's kind of Doc's perception on death right now because he seems ready to accept it from mm -hmm. his two experiences with it so far. Or one experience and then talking about it to PK. I see. So moving on, Ethan was not here last week and he was mm -hmm. the artist. So we brought in his drawing, which is a piano in... Uh, with wires around it, uh, applying that is in the, this is in, the in concert the prison, in the prison. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, the, the concert in the prison. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, this is another powerful scene. Yeah, mm -hmm. really one of the demonstrations of the power of music, which is I think a question we had a couple podcasts back. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. Anything to note about this scene, guys? Do you want to tell to the audience? Like I, I'd, I'd like to point out that, um, like the wire, the barbed wire is. For the prison, obviously, mm -hmm. and then it did say that it was a full moon, so that's oh. why I drew that. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of it's like PK said, it seems a lot of influential things have happened during a full moon because mm -hmm. and like Gil Pete, I mean Gil Piet, uh, died on this night as well. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. But so. and so it's like a it was a White Stein way, and yeah, it's kind of like PK. This is kind of the moment, or the really biggest moment, where PK won the affection of the Afri like the black African people, mm -hmm. because like he's kind of through different key moments, he's gotten the appreciation of different uh, groups of South African people, and this is kind of the one where he gained their affection. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple more questions for you guys. They'll be really quick. Mm -hmm. On page four hundred one. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Maury says, "Greed, my dear PK, transcends religion." Do you think this is true? I mean, now, if you actually look back during, especially the Protestant Reformation, mm -hmm. I mean, greed was a huge thing, especially even in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So, do you believe this is still true today, or do you think we're going in a better place? Yeah, I definitely think it's true. Um, there's some guy, I don't know what his name is, but he calls himself like Prophet something, and he'll like have a bunch of people, it's like it's somewhere down in like, it's actually, I think it's South Africa. Um, he like runs a massive like scam, and, they, and it gets televised too, so like, he's literally telling people, I'm gonna cast out your demons, and then it just like hits him in the face a couple times. People give him loads of money for it. Mm -hmm. And he's doing this all in the name of Jesus Christ, apparently. So. And this also kind of reminds me now of Scientology. <laughs> have you, have you heard of have you guys heard of all all that noise? <laughs> I have not actually. You haven't heard of Scientology? I've like heard of it but not what they're doing. It's kind of like there was this guy who wrote a book basically about almost like alien I want to say like aliens created humans or something he was mm -hmm. saying and basically like this organ basically the organization that he started dominates the people's lives and like prevents them from doing so many things and, like, forcing them to stop, to do stuff, and they, like, lock them in this kind of cycle of having to buy books. Like, it's more, it's less of a religion as it is a business at this point. And these people are stuck in this thinking, just thinking that they're, what they're doing is right. 
And, and it's just it's like a it's just a cult. Mm -hmm. It's a really famous cult, but it's a cult. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you do think greed I is still transient? I would say transient? yes. It, it, I'd say it, it's like I think it started off with religion more so like when religion first came to be, but it's 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 slowly becoming like greed is gaining the upper hand as time goes by. And uh, who's your most important, or most important character so far? Do you think that's changed up to this point? Most important or favorite? Uh, you can answer both. If it's diff if it's the same, just say the same. If it's different, then just well, say I mean, the two. The Which one's important your important? Is obviously, PK. Well, I'm, I'm I talking think he besides more like besides PK. Yeah. Like most is, important. Uh, most character, character for PK. For PK. Okay. Sorry, should have clarified that a little bit. Probably more. Eh? He's not my favorite, but he's probably the most influential on him right now. Hmm. Especially because he teaches him about how to handle money and how to make money, which is something you really never had to deal with. But, like, if not for Mori, he'd probably be broke and not able to mm -hmm. have any pocket money. Mm -hmm. I still think the most important character is Hoppy. He's also mm -hmm. my favorite, too, because, like, he started this whole idea of him boxing, which was just, I mean, it's just almost the entire... It's the entire plot of the story. Mm -hmm. It's him slowly becoming a boxer. Yeah. And I mean, it only it started with Hoppy because he had no idea before. I see. I'd still say it's Hoppy too. Um, just because he's what got PK going. His, uh, he gave him something that he's really, truly interested for the first time. And he's just ran with that. And I don't know how many of you guys had like dreams when you're seven-year-olds, but... Do you still have those same aspirations and dreams now? I mean, they've changed. They've changed, yeah. But, like, PKs hasn't changed. They're, so I think Hoppy's the most important and influential person so far because mm -hmm. PKs kept the dream that Hoppy instilled in him going up until today. Because, mm. like, my different answers, I'd say my favorite character is Doc. Yeah. I'd say, but I think the most... I kind of want to bring up Gil, uh, Gil Piet, mm -hmm. because he was the first non-white mentor for him, and I think like Gil Piet was kind of like the bridge between him and then the African people, and still he is reminded of Gil Piet's death when like there's like oh where did you learn to box like that, mm -hmm. Gil. Piet taught me, and then like the people who ask don't really ever know that Gil Piet wasn't white because they kind of just assumed that he was white. But and it's like that was also like was that like that was the first like brutality human death that he had. I mean, seen. Not like human, like grand but yeah, Grandpa Chuck was killed like from. Like murdered, but I mean, I like, think it's the most tragic. In yeah, life the so most far. traumatizing. Yeah, for him. I don't know about tra or, not traumatizing because Grandpa Kook's death was well really traumatizing. I but see. I think it's the most tragic he's had. Tragic, yeah. Yeah, when you compare them all, because I mean, it's like, like mm -hmm. an actual human that he connected yeah. with. Mm -hmm. Like Grandpa Chook, he may be a really good friend, but at the end of the day, he's a chicken. He was a pet. And, yeah, and big heady. I mean, he, he didn't, didn't know really her, care about her that much. I mean, he, he knew, cared about he her, knew but her, but he didn't like, know her. He knew her, like, as long as he did Hoppy. Yeah. He and didn't like, know her. And, like, she wasn't murdered either. She just died 
by mm-hmm. our Gio Piet was somebody who was helpful to him, mm-hmm. a strong character. Well, not mm, strong isn't like a good character, mm-hmm. and was killed like with intent. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this was some random accident. And he even stood up, like, because Borman was going to kill and was, like, threatening him. He's like, who's sending the letters? And Gil Piet would never tell yeah. Borman that it was PK. So he kind of, like, was an underdog. Oh. He, like, saved PK. Oh, so, do you think uh, Gil Piet was actually killed on purpose? Like, because the way he was killed, it kind of sounded like it could be an accident. Like, he was just meaning to punish Gil Piet, but on accident... Oh, went too far and just killed him. Um, I don't well, think what's kind asked. of it's like? What's the difference though? Because it's kind of like it's it's still you're, death still murder. It's still murder, and at it's the end sti- of the it's day. like if you're killing someone, not necessarily intending to kill them, but you're still like beating the heck out of them. It's still murder. It's still murder, and I mean, you still have like, malicious intent. The only argument would be if it was manslaughter, which is like... Which is not. Which is a complete yeah. accident. Like, yeah. You and have no like, intent of and killing... And he certainly he, hated... I mean, he didn't care if he killed him. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it didn't even cross his mind. And so, my final question is, would, to just leave it on this note, do you think PK becoming the welterweight champion is becoming a reality? Totally. Or do you think it's just still a dream that he's had since the be- close to the beginning of the book? I think it could be a reality, but also I think it's perfectly fine as a dream because that gives him a goal for like that will give him a goal for the rest of his life, really. I think it's becoming a rea- reality, especially after they got the money. Secured, and they're hiring the professional boxing teacher. What was his name again? Uh, Solly Goldman. Goldman. Yeah, after they're hiring a professional teacher, I think it's becoming a reality. As long as he's like a good he's teacher. He's kind of on the cusp of like, like taking the... Becoming point. a pro. Yeah, I don't want to say like taking the first steps because he's well past that. Yeah. But on the first steps to like in the big leagues. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he's only ever boxed for school and for like... Organized sports, kind of like kid kind of level a, kind of stuff like that. It's a real make or break moment right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I have. Yeah, me too. Does anybody have anything else? Oh, yeah. I had one last bridge I built. Um, it was um, between money. Like, I think we're also at the age where we start to realize the importance of money. Mm-hmm. Like PK did. He's like, oh, this is the first time in my life when I realized the importance. It's important. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, do you think we're at this, that age, or that stage in life, and our development, too? Or have we been there already? The val- are you talking specifically just the value of money? Yeah, just Or reali- how to apply it to your life? How we realize the value of money and how to apply it to our lives. So, yeah. I don't know, I, I think it's I'd like say... when you start working for your money, instead of just it being handed to you. Because like, when you're at... Like, well, I haven't started working, but I still recognize... Like, um, I'm talking, like, earning money saying, like, some way. Seeing, like, the effort that goes into money. I see. Like, knowing that hard work... Like, obviously you can know your dad or mother works really hard to get money. But you haven't can't done it yet. know yeah. what it is. I see. And that's all we have time for for today. Yep. Right. Thank you for listening. And this was the Sunny Power of One. See you guys next time.